while our planet was being destroyed, while inequality grew like a cancer. We worried about whether it was all right to speak the mass in Latin, whether it, girls should be allowed to be altar servers. We built walls around us, and all the time, all the time the real danger was inside, inside with us. What are you talking about? I think you know what I'm talking about. We knew there were priests, bishops, great men of the church who preyed on children. And what did we do? We, we heard their confession, then moved them on to another parish where they could start all over again. We believed that they confessed. Oh, we believed it was better if nine children suffered than if nine million lost their faith because of a scandal. No, of course not. That is grotesque. A course. bishop, a bishop said that to me. Uh -huh. How did you answer him? I told him to remove the priest from his ministry and initiate a canonical trial straight away. I didn't believe a few magic words from the priest would make everything all right again. Magic words, is that how you describe the sacrament? Confession cleans the sinner's soul. It does not help the victim. Sin is a, a wound, not a stain. It needs to be healed, to be treated. Forgiveness is not enough. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Haley Shepherds, and I'm the Outreach Minister. I'm so glad you could all be here today. Thank you for those of you who are here. I know there's a basketball game going on, so I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I'm really excited to be a part of this Ash Wednesday. Uh, we're, we talked about, we'll talk about this clip a little bit more throughout the sermon, but what I loved about this clip was this relationship between Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. It's a show on Netflix, or it's a movie on Netflix called The Two Popes, and if you haven't seen it, it's fascinating. Uh, but they talk about in that clip there uh, what sin does, even in the highest institutions of churches. Sin exists. And so today, and we focus in on Ash Wednesday about how sin is, there's no excuse, you know, sin reaches all areas, all people, even the Pope. And we see uh, the scandal that the Catholic Church has dealt with. But I want to say that the Catholic Church is not the only church nor organization that have ever, um, you know, experienced abuse by their leaders. That happens everywhere. Abuse is real. Abuse is a sin. Um, and so it's not just the Catholic Church, but sin reaches all areas of our life, um, and no one can escape it. And so that's what we're talking about today, this Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is a time uh, where we are headed into Lent. So Lent is this time where we're preparing our hearts and our mind for Holy Week. That's Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. And so it's 40 days, and we get to prepare our hearts and minds uh, for the coming of the cross, where we get to see Jesus give his life for us. But we see here that the Pope Francis and Pope Benedict um, see the consequences of their own sin. Not just their action, but their inaction. I think that's something we can reflect on this Lent season, um, is not only our actions of, that cause sin, that cause harm to not only ourselves, but the people around us, but the ways in which we don't act. And we see that in that clip. But Ash Wednesday, we see that there is no spiritual show-offs. Ash Wednesday is a time for us to truly humble ourselves Sometimes sitting in our sin and, and actually reflecting on what is my sin? What are the ways in which I have sinned against God? So we usually try to avoid it. Sometimes it makes us uncomfortable because oftentimes we spend way too much time comparing ourselves to others and we start to play a game of life. But the truth is, we all fall. No one is exempt from our fallen nature. And we'll talk more about that today because it comes directly from our Bible reading. We say this all the time here at Hope, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we mean it, because God shows us that it is. 
It's not that God came to die for just a few of us. No, God came to offer forgiveness of sins for everybody. Ash Wednesday is about our humanness, our brokenness, our need for a savior. And as we lead into this 40 days of Lent, we see that we are celebrating Jesus Christ's death, but we are also experiencing sorrow, that that price had to be paid for us. And so we reflect on what is our brokenness? What are some of the ways that we have also contributed to the brokenness in the world? And we get to celebrate this Lent season to this journey to the cross. Now, Lent and Ash Wednesday, it's tradition. It actually comes from uh, the book of Luke. We see that Jesus actually goes uh, into the wilderness for 40 days and he fasts. So that's where the fasting tradition comes from. We see Jesus is then tempted in that place in the wilderness. And we see that it parallels the story that we read in the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve, who represent humanity, are tempted and they fail. And then Jesus goes in the wilderness. He's true to who he is, God's only son. And he does not fall to temptation. So yes, we all fall down, but Christ doesn't fall. And so we read this in 2 Corinthians. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Christ is the way to righteousness. Righteousness means we're able to stand before God and say, here I am, God. And God receives us. This is good news. But we also need to reflect on our sinful nature and on our brokenness because that means we have a need for God. We have a need for Christ. And if we're not willing to admit that, then we're going to cause harm. And so in the Old Testament, one way they would show sorrow or they would show that they were grieving was they would actually either sit in ashes or they would heap ashes onto their foreheads and onto their heads. And so that is how we created this tradition for Ash Wednesday. It's a sign of our own sorrow. And it's a sign of our separation from God. Because the truth is, we all fall. We read this in Romans 3. For everyone has sinned and we fall short of, the glorious, of God's glorious standard. That's maybe a verse that you've heard time and time again in church. Now, that's talking about a spiritual fall, but we also experience physical falls in our life. How many of you have ever fallen down at some point in your life? I hope everyone, if you haven't made it this far, like that's a record, you gotta tell me. But we all fall. It doesn't feel good when we fall. It hurts, we end up having scrapes. A couple of weeks ago, I was in bed, it was 11 p.m., and I all of a sudden got a text message, and I'm thinking to myself, who was texting me at 11, 11 p.m.? Well, it was my sister, um, and she had gone out with her friends, and she ha- they were just having dinner together, and they were having fun, uh, but she wanted to tell me about a story that had happened to her. She had actually been wanting to, she had actually headed home early, and she um, ran out, and that had been really slick out because of the snow, and she happened to slip right in front of the staircase. And so I'm going to show you on the next screen. Please advert your eyes if you don't like blood. It's not that scary. But here's her. These are the photos that she sent me. That, so <laughs> we all truly fall, and she's fine, everybody. She's actually right here, so she's doing okay. <laughs> but one thing my sister doesn't like is embarrassment. So the first thing she did... <laughs> so that's why I did that to her. I'm really sorry, Sam. I will pray for forgiveness for that later today. <laughs> It is her, seriously, her biggest fear, and I don't know why I didn't process through that the minute I said it. (laughs) Oh, man, I love you. Uh, 
but the first thing she did is she hates embarrassment. She didn't want anyone to know she fell, so she sprinted out the door. That was her first reaction, and we see that in the book of Genesis 2, is this is our human nature. When we fall, when we feel embarrassed, when we feel ashamed, even if it's something as simple as slipping on some water and falling down some staircases, we always want to run and hide, and we're going to dive into that. In our Bible reading for Genesis 3 today, we see that this fall, there's this spiritual fall that we experience. It's different than a physical fall, but sometimes we can also experience physical pain when we experience sin. But sin, let's define it. It means to literally miss the mark. It's to fall short of who God created us to be. God created us to live in perfect relationship with him. And it should look like this. It should look like a neatly tied, perfectly pair of shoes like this. We take these shoes, we see that we have one lace that could represent God, and the other lace could represent us. And we are perfectly tied together, and this is how we're supposed to move in the world. But we see that when we miss the mark, when we sin, when we go against the way that God created us to be, those shoes can easily become untied. Now we're heading for disaster. We're separated from God, Things tend to go from good to the worst. Because God created our life for good. And so we see that God intended us to live like this perfectly tied shoe. And then when sin enters the picture, we see that our shoes literally look like this. This is what we look like. This is what happens when we fall. We see that our egos get in the way, our lies, our shame. says, I am not enough, our pride. And then we think, okay, God, I'm going to try to step into your shoes, because that's what sin does. It lies to us. So when we say, God, I can do this on my own. And so we decide to tie our shoes together. We try to operate outside of God. And then, if you ever tried to walk with shoes tied like this, you're going to fall flat on your face. Please don't do it. <laughs> but we see what happens when our shoes are tied together when they look like this perfect bow, when we're in perfect relationship with God, we see on this next screen what happens. We experience wholeness when we are tied to God. But we are human and we fall. Our laces can become untied. It's so easy for us to catch a snag and for those laces to come undone. And our first reaction may be, God, I've got my own shoes. I can fix this on myself. We're setting ourselves up for disaster. The bow, living in the way God created us to be, man, we can move. So how do we get there? How do we get to that place of healing and forgiveness and fulfillment and peace and away from our own damaged selves that trip us up? We see that this first spiritual stumble happens in the Garden of Eden. God created this perfect world in order and there's no more chaos God created land and animals and humans. And things were created for a purpose, with a purpose. The Lord formed man, we read in Genesis 2-7. And he created man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And we see that God calls it good, the way things are supposed to be. We see humanity quickly turns it around. We read here in Genesis 3, 2. You can go to the two more slides there. It's only from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden 
the women said, that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. Not only a spiritual death, but a physical one. We see later in the story that yes, Adam and Eve, who represent humanity, fall to this temptation. They experience a spiritual death, which we read here on this next screen. Sin, we need to take sin seriously. That's what this is about. That's what we are focusing on this Ash Wednesday. When we're not in right relationship with God, we fall. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, we should fall to our shame. Sometimes we can take sin too seriously, and then we fall into this hole of um, despair, and there's no hope. When we sin, God doesn't just bring his wrath upon you. God doesn't come and say, oh, you sinned, I'm going to scorch the earth. No, God leads with love, not terror. And God's desire for you is life. It's the opposite of death. So first we need to get straight God's intentions for you. They are good, because God created you good. And that doesn't go away. I also want to say that it's easy to go overboard. You don't need to make an exhaustive list, an inventory of every single one of your sins, and then come meet us at Hope Ames, and we'll check off the list and watch your inventory of sins and see how you can fix it. No, that's not what God's asking of us. In fact, that can be very dangerous. We get so focused on fixing our sin ourselves, we are going to fail. When we approach sin, we need to have Jesus Christ with us. We can't do anything on our own. But we should take sin seriously. Because sometimes we minimize the harm that it can cause. Where we think, oh, it's okay. I haven't really hurt anybody that bad yet. The truth is oftentimes we have really destructive habits and hang-ups that hurt ourselves. And that's really easy for us to overlook. But God promises the Holy Spirit to be our advocate. That's the word that's used. The word used for evil uh, for the devil is adversary. God is the exact opposite of that, an advocate who knows your needs, who knows your sins. And if you ask, will reveal those to you gently and with love and not with terror. C.S. Lewis says this, the forces of spiritual evil are most effective when people either make too little or too much of them. And so it's all about that balance. Yes, recognizing our sin, but not falling into that pit of despair. Trust the Holy Spirit. Listen to God. See what God reveals to you. And when you feel that tug or that weight of your sin, turn to God. Talk about the struggles you face. We are a church community. That's what we're here for. We're not going to tell you, you have to come up and tell us right now. No. Take your time. Turn to God first. If you want someone to sit with your struggle, we're here. And you are here for each other. That is what the church does. One of my favorite quotes from this movie of the two popes, it says this, we built walls around us, but the whole time the danger was inside of us. I think that wraps up Ash Wednesday pretty well. We see that sin comes from within. We see that temptation, there's this temptation. We see it in the Garden of Eden. We see that Jesus is tempted. It begins with a lie, a deception. It's so easy for us to say and blame the serpent. 
or to blame the devil. Oh, you're the cause of all of our problems. Ash Wednesday is also about reflecting the ways in which it meets us inside. We see that in the Garden of Eden, the serpent tempts the woman. We know her name is Eve. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree? Now we can sit here all day and talk about who is the serpent, but it's more important to know that the serpent, the translation for serpent really means a snake in the grass. Sounds a lot less threatening than a serpent. But a snake in the grass, a lot of scholars think it's an idiom that actually represents a faithless friend. And so we see that this creature is really a character. We see that God, did God really say that question? It's a trick. We see that evil wants us to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. I talked about this on Alpha, at Alpha. And it's okay to doubt. It's okay to bring your doubts to God. God can handle that. But be wary when your doubts take you away from belief. Turn to God. We see that evil deceives, evil lies, and sometimes that can come within ourselves too. Sometimes that corrupts us, because sin is real. Psychology Today um, actually tells you, gives you a list of how to tell a convincing lie, which I think is very fascinating. First, think about why you need to lie. Then you can plan out the details of your story. And then the last part, start with the truth. The easiest way to lie is to bend the truth. And that's what we see in this story. And that's what we're really good at doing as human beings sometimes. We see that this serpent, this snake in the grass, puts this delicious option before Adam and Eve who represent humanity. And he tells them, you won't die. Well, right away, because we know death enters the picture. Evil bends the truth. That voice is tempting. What kind of voices are you experiencing in your own life right now? We see that maybe you're stuck in this insanity loop of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. Maybe you're telling yourself the same lies. Maybe you're telling other people in your life the same lies. We see at the end of our story here that God brings freedom. But what do we do when we experience our sin? What do we do with it? We need to not talk about how we respond to this sin. There's a word that the church uses, and it's in the Bible, that's called repentance. It means a change of direction. It means for God to reroute us. It also means a change of mind or thinking. Confession, which we'll talk about later too, confession and repentance go hand in hand. Confession is saying, oh goodness God, my shoes are really tied. I keep falling. That's confession. Repentance is turning to God and trusting the Holy Spirit to untie these knots and trusting that the sacrifice of Christ will make us into this. That's what repentance does. And that's what confession leads us to. We see this in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Repent of your sins is what John the Baptist calls us to do. And turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Kingdom of heaven sounds pretty great. We see that Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. Come to earth. We see that for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. Repentance changes us from, did God really say that? To no God promises to show up. 
God did show up. And so we see that we now live in a world where Jesus rules. Jesus has changed the game. God delivers on those promises. God promises to give you unfailing love. God promises to give you forgiveness and grace. God promises to bring justice and mercy. And God promises eternal life. But man, evil sure is convincing sometimes. We see that the woman is convinced in this story. She wanted that wisdom. She wanted that fruit. But the foundation of Ash Wednesday, something that might surprise you, foundation of Ash Wednesday, it's truth-telling. I don't think we do enough of it. Not to the people in our lives, not to God, and not to ourselves. We see that in verse 7 of our Bible reading, their eyes were open, they suddenly felt shame and nakedness, they covered themselves with fig leaves, and then his wife heard the Lord walking about in the gardens. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. There we go again, hiding we see how God responds, but the humans first, we recognize the humans didn't first experience shame because they were worried about God finding out about them. No, they felt shame because they were naked. They felt shame because they were worried about someone seeing. So oftentimes when we experience shame, we're not worried about God, we're worried about other people in our lives seeing our brokenness. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? God knows where they are. God knows where you are too. And God meets you. I can't count how many times I've been in the position uh, where I've had to share bad news. And when God calls out in the garden, where are you? I find myself in that position just like Adam and Eve. I don't want to tell God. But God knows. But God still wants to hear it from us. Not because God needs us to. For our own good, it changes us from the inside out when we're able to receive that forgiveness. We're able to see our own brokenness, to trust that God is going to do something about it. Have you ever had bad news or told someone some bad news? If it's kind of bad, you can kind of soften the blow and say, you know, mm, I have something bad to tell you, but you soften it a little bit to make it a little bit more digestible. And then there's just the really, really, really bad news. Maybe you've received some bad news in your life. Maybe even recently. I'll never forget the day my dad told me that my grandmother's cancer spread to her bones. You can't soften that. You just have to tell him. My dad called me yesterday and he told me that, you know, someone he loves, someone that's dear to him, was diagnosed with ALS. You can't soften that. And when we try to soften it, it usually ends up turning into a disaster. I'll never forget the day my parents told me they were getting a divorce. I laugh at it now, and my sister and I laugh at it now because they took us bowling right after to try to make it a little bit better. <laughs> but it was such a gift. I have bonus parents, which is lovely. Bonus parents are the best. But when it comes to sin, I wish we would treat sin like what it is. It's really bad news. We just gotta say it straight. We don't need to soften the blow. Let's be honest. Let's start telling the truth. God invites you to truth telling. God doesn't shame you or condemn you. We, We read in the scripture that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We no longer have to sit in our pile of ashes and sorrow. 
No, we get to trust that Jesus comes into the picture. In the Garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is at the center of the garden. We have a bag here that's rolling. <laughs> but we also see that in the center of the Bible, center of the story is Christ on the cross. It's not a living tree, it's a dead tree. So where the tree of the knowledge and good and evil brought death into the world, humanity brought that into, into the world, we now see that Christ brings life through the cross of a dead tree. And that's what we're patiently waiting for, we're expecting at the end of this Lent season. There's this verse here. I heard you walking in the garden. This is Adam and Eve. So I hid because I was naked, stuck in shame. But when we receive Christ, we receive the good news that Christ has died for us, we don't have to sit in our ashes. We get to celebrate. That's why the ashes are in a cross. We know what Christ has done for us. And then this scripture, we can actually change it. We can say, God, I heard you walking in the garden. So I said, here I am. Let's start telling the truth. I am human. I am dust. I am loved. That is what Ash Wednesday is all about. In the midst of our brokenness, we are human, we are dust, and we are loved. We're now going to take a time and a moment just for confession. Confession isn't this scary thing. Let's just be honest. Start some truth-telling. Bring whatever it is you have to God. We're going to take a moment just to sit and reflect together. And I'm going to ask you to, you, that you join me in a prayer too. So please bow your heads and take a moment. Now, I'm going to invite you uh, to participate in confession, not just alone, but together. That's what the church community is for. So if you grew up in a traditional Lutheran church, this prayer will be familiar to you, uh, but we'll put it up here on the screen. But I'm also going to invite uh, those who are giving ashes uh, to come forward at this time um, as we're praying this prayer. Most merciful God, we confess... against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved our neighbors with our whole heart. We have not loved ourselves for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on us. 
Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. I'm gonna invite you to go back to the slide with the Ash Wednesday slide with um, the ashes in communion. Uh, one thing we say um, when you receive these ashes is, remember you are dust, and to dust you, will, you shall return. But I also want to remind you that at some point in your lives, if you were baptized, you also received the mark of the cross with oil. You were anointed. We see that this, this promise is permanent. Child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. These ashes, when we reflect on our sorrow and our sin, they should wash away. I hope you take a shower at some point. They will be gone. But I want you to remember this baptismal promise. This never goes away. That has marked you forever. So I will invite our ushers uh, to go ahead and dismiss our rows. We will receive our ashes.
in the midst of our bad news, our sin, our brokenness, we receive good news. Receive good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see that the night which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Eat this. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all the drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to go ahead and pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory. Receive the forgiveness. Receive the good news that brings restoration and healing and life. Death cannot hold us. Amen.